Welcome to Thrive with Trevor Huffman Podcast. Trevor will be sharing 20 years of his NBA, NCAA, and overseas basketball playing, training, and coaching experience to help basketball athletes, parents, and humans find their athletic edge and thrive. Thrive is a deep dive into the lives, routines, habits, and minds of the world's best mental performance coaches, leadership professors, pro basketball athletes, NBA and WNBA skill trainers, and thought-leading sports psychologists. Let Trevor help you find the edges of your comfort zone so you can thrive. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive with Trevor Huffman. Don't forget to check out these other great shows on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Cavalier Central, and of course our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast. You can find all our shows on your favorite podcast apps. JJ, why don't you just start, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, Kind of your childhood and into getting into into where you are now. Okay, cool. So my name is JJ Mann. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm 28 years old, and I went to high school uh, in Atlanta at Marist. And then I actually did not have the recruiting that I wanted, so I did an extra year at Hargrave Military Academy. Coach Keats was the coach there. He's now at NC State. So that was a that was a that was a challenge. Everyone said, "Oh, it's going to be great for you." Looking back, it's going to be an awesome experience. And of course, you're 17, 18. All your friends are freshmen in college, or you're watching them on TV, and you're like, "That should be me." But looking back now, I can say, "Yeah, it was. It definitely was a good move for me to go to the military." I mean, you went to what, what's yeah. The, so isn't that where a lot of friends, pro ballers go, and a lot of the big names go? Yeah, the, the re, there's there's a lot of prep schools out there. You know, I had no idea there's a whole prep school world out there, but it's real and it's legit. Some some are legit, some are scams for sure. But Hargrave, you know, we did our research, and I mean, we had 12, 12 guys that were there, and all of them played Division One. So it was a pretty good team. And who were some of the guys you played with on that team? Played with Sean Kemp Jr. Probably the biggest name was Lorenzo Brown who he's been bouncing around the league. Uh, he might have got a ring with the Raptors last year. Um, right. I'm not sure if he was on the final roster or not, but he was probably the biggest name. Dominique Ferguson, he was a top 10 recruit, but mm-hmm. Isaiah Epps went to Pittsburgh. Mardragas Wade went to Arkansas, and he, he's, a playing, he's been playing in Germany as well. Okay. So, and then some other guys that kind of went mid-major. And I fortunately was able to get a scholarship to Belmont University from there. And did four years. Like when you got the scholarship, did you did you freak out? Were you like, man? Did you throw like a block party in Atlanta? Like what happened? I, I threw a, I threw a block party in my dorm jail cell that was in at Hargrave. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a wasn't much partying going on at Hargrave, but I mean, yeah, because I, I think I signed in October. I think that was the period. Mm-hmm. And but I, I was still going to Hargrave, so. It was, there wasn't much partying going on. It was, I woke up, I think I woke, I think I signed and still woke up at 6 a.m. the next day to go marching around the gym before I could go to breakfast. That's crazy. So 
But yeah, I mean, I, I was super pumped. Yeah, my, my recruiting story is actually pretty entertaining if we want to come back to that. or Yeah, we can come back to that. So, I mean, yeah, I did four P- years. This is a Belmont. PG audience. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's PG. It's a good, good entertaining. It's all right. Uh, and so, yeah, I did four years at Belmont. And I remember the coach, Coach Bird, the mm-hmm. Hall of Famer. He, he asked me if I wanted to redshirt. And I was like, man, I just redshirted at, in my, in my mind, I just redshirted my prep year. I'm ready to go. And that was a really fun year, my freshman year, because we pretty much rotated 10 guys. There was the only person who played like over 22, 23 minutes was Ian Clark. Mm-hmm. Made it to the NBA, so he probably deserved a few extra minutes than the rest of us. But debatable. It was debatable. I mean, and, you know, if I was getting 23 minutes, I probably would have put up some bigger numbers too. But <laughs> so, and it was just a good year, and we had some good seniors, and just kind of was able to learn the system and learn the culture at Belmont and how everything went. And then from there, it was just, it really was just hard work. That was really, I mean, I, in the weight room on the court, I had a couple manager buddies who are coaching and doing skill work now that are making it pretty big that I kind of, we just got after it every day before, after practice and sometimes six, seven a.m. before class and just, just got after it, man. I mean, you know, people want to know what the secret recipe is, but go. There ain't no secret recipe. No, there's not. It's just go make 500 threes from 6 to 6.30 a.m. and see how you shoot. Do that for 10 days straight, and I guarantee you'll, your shot's going to be – that's yeah. 500 makes, not bricks. for Yeah, because if you did 500 – if I did 500 makes, it'd be over <laughs> in like 10 minutes. And if, yeah, you, yeah. if you did it, it would take 20 minutes, double yeah. twice the shooter. That's well, percentage wise, maybe if you, you know, <laughs> that's a lie. JJ, for the record, is is one of the best shooters that I that I've coached and enjoyed joy to work with. Obviously, we got to work together in uh, Belgium this year, but you know, I get a lot of a lot of questions on, you know, the secret. What do you got to do to play in college? And and I always say, rain, no <laughs> rain, wine or shine. You got to go be act like a professional basketball, act like a college basketball player, do what the best do. If I had a kid in Huffman basketball camp, you know, I have some camps I run in the summer. I, yeah. I challenge these kids, like you said, do do that 10 days in a row. And I have a 21-day challenge where I challenge kids to play basketball, even, even as little as 10 minutes a day. What would yeah. you do if I said, JJ, you got 10 minutes every day to play basketball. Tell me about like a 10-minute workout that you would do Ooh. to get the most out of your, your 10 minutes. I think I would go... 10 one minute drills. So, mm-hmm. and you know, you're probably getting 15 to 20 shots up a minute. So that's a quick 200 shots mm-hmm. and you know, go pull up right for a minute, pull up left for a minute, double to go between your legs three times shot. Mm-hmm. And you know, basically 10 different moves, step back each way. There's five moves right there without mm-hmm. even thinking. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, you think it's crazy to think, but you know, People out there are always like, oh, just and one big thing is just consistency. Like, I I would I would rather go hard for ten minutes doing that, two hundred mm-hmm. shots in ten minutes, if that's physically possible. Maybe it takes thirteen, fourteen, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather do ten minutes of hard beast mode workout than go in the, go in the gym for an hour and a half and just lollygag and get two hundred shots up, but I'm barely sweating or none of them were game shots. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, you're like, 
oh, and then you go home, you're like, oh, I was in the gym for two hours a day. Okay, but but you didn't do anything. Like, you didn't really do anything. Yeah. So, exactly. And, you know, what's, what's, the what's, point? The point? what's the point of not going game speed or going at a high-intensity level where you, you know how a game feels? It speeds up. You're tired. You know, you're, uh-huh. you're getting beat up. You're pushing people. You're grabbing people. And then you got to go down and make shots on the other end. You know, as a shooter, what's one, like, one tip you would give, you know, any player for that instance of like working through that fatigue, getting in shape, you know, how did you stay in such good shape as a, as a college player? I saw your highlight of you hitting the shot against North Carolina. If you want to run me through that and then talk oh, about. Man. That's a, that's a pretty fun, pretty fun day. Uh, you know, both, both my parents actually played basketball at George Tech. So I grew up a big ACC guy. Mm-hmm. And so you were actually, that were they like pissed off and you went to Belmont? They were like, uh, there wasn't any ACC. <laughs> All the ACC, ACC teams somehow passed on me. Uh, they pulled the old pulled the old athleticism card on me. Yeah, but I only I think I only paid two ACC schools and averaged twenty five. So I guess I maybe I, maybe I could have done all right in the yeah. ACC. But yeah, so actually at Hargrave we actually played a game against the UNC JV team. So I was a little familiar with the gym. And yeah, you know, we were little old Belmont, me and my, me and my buddies, we were, it was like third or fourth game of the season and they were top 10 or 12 or something. And mm-hmm. they had a bunch of, bunch of NBA guys on the team. And I mean, we were up eight, nine, the whole game. I mean, we, everybody, every, all of our guys were hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I saw you sure. guys had 15 threes at halftime. Is that right? I think so. It was pretty ridiculous barrage of, of threes. Yeah. Um, and actually I, I wasn't really contributing that much to the, three-point barrage. So they had you on lockdown. They had me a little bit on lockdown. I was, I was forcing a little bit. I was a senior. I was trying to do a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And I was actually, I might be a little bit off on my numbers, but we were, we were up, like I said, eight or nine the whole game. And then they just, you know, they, they were UNC. So they UNC'd us and they got up six or seven with a couple minutes. They probably went on like a 20 to three run. Mm-hmm. And there's, Two, three minutes left, four or five point game. And I mean, we made some plays, but I, yeah, I made three threes in a row at the end of the game in the last two minutes to basically kind of bring us back and seal the deal. But going, going into those last three threes, I was two for 25 on the season. So that's a very low number for all you math majors out there. But <laughs> You know, you got to shoot. You got to keep shooting. And I mean, I was taking good shots. And, you know, uh, they asked Coach Bird after the game, like, what were you doing letting him shoot? And he said, well, if, you know, JJ, and, you know, especially the mid majors, the seniors are the ones that got to really have big years for the mid major programs to have good years, usually. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if JJ's not going to start making any shots, then we're not going to win any games. So I just got to let him keep shooting. Let him and then keep, keep shooting. Made, made those three threes in a row to win at UNC and then shot about 50% the rest of the season. But yeah. yeah. And I, I think, I, I think that's typical though. of Mid mate. Like I was a mid major guy. I started off my senior year horrible. Yeah. New coach knew everything. And I just remember being like, what is going on when it clicks, it clicks. Even your senior year, you right. put more pressure on yourself oh, mentally. Yeah. Hey, basketball parents, coaches, and athletes. One of my favorite adapted quotes is, we do not rise to the level of our basketball goals, 
but rather we fall to the level of our basketball training system. Why do I say that? Well, I want to help all your basketball athletes, kids, or players figure out how to chase their basketball dreams in a smart, systematic way. So I'm offering my live online basketball training community today and get a free week of virtual home basketball workouts streamed into your garage, your living room, your basement, your driveway, and you get to work out with the pros. All right, we do this every week, and for the first time, your kids will have direct access to me, sports performance trainers, other pro coaches for as little as $25 a month. If you're interested, please visit trevorhuffman.com or text me, quote, Huffman Club with your full name at 810-771-8622. Again, that's 810-771-8622. Do you think your mindset in games where you like that North Carolina game, for instance, you're missing shots? What do you, what do you like? What kind of self-talk are you having internally? Yeah, I'm telling myself, man, this is the only time you're ever going to get to play at UNC probably the rest of your life, man. Just go out there, have fun. And really, I think probably fearless is one of, is probably one of the words mm-hmm. I would use. Or like, I, I, like if I see a guy who's fearless, that scares me more. Like if I was a coach and I'd be like, man, that guy's fearless. I'd rather have a fearless guy than some, instead of someone who's described as talented. Yeah. You can have all the talent in the world, but if it's two minutes left in the game at UNC and you're scared to take the shot, then don't doesn't matter how how good you are if you're scared to take it or your your yeah. hands are shaking palms are sweaty you're probably not gonna make it but if you know you got a guy who he doesn't care and he's fearless and he's just yeah. a competitor and wants to win then it doesn't matter if it comes off the hand wrong or not it's gonna he'll gonna he's gonna find a way to make sure right. it goes in all right well then here's a question for you because i don't think everybody's i don't think we we're born leaders i don't think we're born basketball players i don't you know like you're saying some people have a a higher genetic predisposition to be talented both internally intellectually you know iq like i know my iq isn't that high but i played basketball at a very high iq my basketball awareness was high how did you develop your fearlessness you didn't always start off that way no i definitely didn't i was listening actually listening to a sermon on sunday and this guy talking about his son, like 10 or 12, walking into a gym for this fancy, famous camp in Colorado, I think. Mm-hmm. And he was a white kid. And mm-hmm. I think he got like invited to this elite basketball camp. And he walks into the gym and there's just these guys, like, like I said, I'm 10, 12 years old, dunking and throwing each other alley-oops and stuff. And I'm like, it just, it gave me flashbacks to all the days I walked into the gym, guys looking at me like, this guy, why, why mm-hmm. we're not the even only white guy play. in the gym, only white guy in the gym. And yeah, we're not letting him play or, you know, he's, well, we only got nine. We'll let, we'll let him play. Yeah. And I mean, just, just, just playing. I think experience can be a big thing. I grew up playing, like always playing against guys who were better than me, either older or at a higher level, or I was fortunate enough in high school that my, high school coach played professionally overseas. And mm-hmm. so I was every Saturday was playing with him and his buddies who were all, mm-hmm. I don't know, when I was in high school, they were 35, 38, 40. And so they were kind of, kind of on the decline, but yeah. it was, it wasn't a high paced basketball. But it was, it was physical. It was intense. It was competitive. Cerebral. So I'm thinking, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I just, I mean, I remember it, you know, 
hit a game game winner on like Steve Smith and Travis mm-hmm. Best, and I'm like, okay, if I can, if I can, okay, again, they're not playing college level defense, but they're not yeah. not letting me score either. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, if I can play against score against this guy, then I can do it against anybody. Yeah, so it's, it's it's basically learned fearlessness for. A player, you know, I if I came from Northern Michigan. We didn't have, I didn't have the Mateen Cleaves, the Charlie Bells, the Mo Petersons, the Draymond Green. Like, I had to go find a challenger, you know. And I, I, yeah. I talk a lot about that with, you know, find somebody that challenges you is better than you, gets you out of your your comfort zone. Uh-huh. If I was to go shoot, I'd want to shoot with you because if I had a if I had a contest, you know, where we're putting, you know, putting five bucks on a three point contest, or you know, I'll make you do. 10 pushups or a suicide. I want, I want somebody that forces me to face, you know, tension or anxiety or stress. Cause I'm like, Oh, I know I got to ride. My level's got to go up. And I think it's important, yeah. you know, whether you're 35 and you're playing in a rec league that you're just like, you know, I feel really comfortable. How are you going to improve? Well, go find a better rec league, <laughs> yeah. you know, go find a better run. Right. No, it's they're They're out there. And yeah, I, even now I, I remember I told I tried to always shoot with Riley this year because he's pretty he's almost as good a shooter as I am. Right, but. He's, he's referring to Riley Lachance, a Vanderbilt Commodore, uh, fellow fellow Nashville guy. And but I told I, it was one of the first couple weeks of the season, and you know that's first couple weeks of the season, you know, you're feeling everybody out like, hey, who who do I want to shoot with? Who's gonna be my partner? Yeah. Who's gonna be my friend? All that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And I told him I was like, hey, like I don't like I don't like shooting with people who can't shoot because you know, hey, let's make ten. All right, I go ten for eleven, and then I get stuck rebounding twenty-two of your shots because right. you go ten for twenty-two. I'm like, <laughs> so I mean, I think that falls into your category of, yeah, don't, don't, don't go play someone one-on-one every day who you beat eleven to two every day, and yeah. you're walking around thinking you're hot stuff, and then you show up at varsity practice or freshman year college, and you came and dribble your left hand because you used to just shoot right hand layups on your buddies all day. Right. And again, there's nothing wrong with going to hang out, play a little fun basketball every now and then. But when you're really trying to get after and really trying to get better, you need to try to, I mean, I remember my, my first run ever in college, I got blocked like four times. And I was just like, what the heck? Like, yeah, I, these, these were shots that I couldn't take and make in high school but no, now I'm at college. Now the guys are three inches taller and five inches longer and jump five inches higher. So that doesn't work anymore. So you got to figure out, figure out, you got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got a question coming in. This is from Jim Rummer's daughter. What? Yeah, I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's taken. He's taken everybody. So you can find, let, we'll talk about your social media absence. Because you're married, it doesn't matter. You don't need social media like me. What kind of what kind of effort did it take to reach pro performance? Are we talking seven days a, a week workout? How many hours a day? How young were you when you started consistently working out? Those are good questions. I, I grew up playing basketball and baseball from when I was four or five years old, and then I mean I was doing both pretty much all the time. And then when I was fifteen, sixteen, I that's kind of, you know, when the recruiting picks up and varsity starts kicking in and it was, okay, you need to choose which one you want to do. And I chose basketball just because I loved it. Hmm. But I think playing, well, I think playing multiple sports is always a good thing because it works on different muscles and different body parts. And just, I mean, I got 
quick hands, I think, from playing baseball. And so, like, I would say five five days a week. I think I think usually usually at least three days a week. I was going. My dad would drop me off at six a.m. before school, and I would work out with my high school coach from six to seven thirty before class. So, and then practice at night. So that's five practices. That's eight practices during the week, and play pickup on Saturday. So that's nine nine workouts mm-hmm. um, a week. So and. And for me, like, I, you you got to find like the little things that you that are that you can do that are a, attainable and consistent. Because mm-hmm. you know, like we said earlier, hey, go go make five hundred threes ten days in a row. Okay, well, if you do that ten days in a row and then you don't do it again for another a month, then you no, know, that doesn't really work. Okay, change it to let's do let's do five hundred makes every other day. And you actually do it mm-hmm. after 30 days, you've made a lot more shots than just that little 10 day stint you had. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what do they say it takes 10,000 hours to master something or 100,000? Says 10,000. 10,000. Malcolm Gladwell wrote that book, Tipping Point, which talked about the 10,000 hour rule. But yeah, it's exactly, I, I, I think I, like high school athletes, even middle school athletes, I, I hate to throw them in there, but you know the fa- the that window. By the time you become a senior, how fast can you reach that ten thousand hour uh, mark? And how wow. how much quality? I always say how much quality are in those ten thousand hours? Because I could go spend yeah. ta- ten thousand hours dribbling around, not really competing, you know, not going game speed at my workouts, you know, even at you know even at Swish House, the uh, adult fitness class, you know, startup. It's it's. It's about like efficiency. It's about really pushing yourself as hard as you can go. And that 60 minutes, if you're going to go 60 minutes, well, then let's grow. Let's get a little bit better. Let's go hard, you know, and try to, and try to do that consistently over time. And you'll reach mastery faster. You know, to me, the 10,000 hour rule is really about the quality of those hours, the intensity of those hours. I think I could get, I think I, if you want, if you want to like master the guitar, give me 5,000 hours of like two a days where I practice as hard as I can on the guitar. I'm just, you know, I'll be playing some, some really, some really cool music if that's my goal. So, right. You know, and I always like interval training, high intensity interval training, anything that really pushes you to grow faster is, is definitely how you want to approach those hours. Quality over quantity for sure. Yeah which is what I struggled with as a first year coach. What is the right balance of, of quality practices versus, you know, well, I don't want to be here for four hours, just get nothing done, you know? And I think that's always the struggle coaches have, players have like, what, what, what's your plan when you go into the gym? Do you have something now that you have, like, are you on cruise control because you've been doing it for so long or do you write out your workout plans? I've written them out on paper before a couple summers ago, I was doing that. And I mean, that, it made me do it because it's pretty, I think uh, I learned, I learned the phrase, the phrase man shaming from a wise man mm. that, you know, you write something down and then you go and check it. Like if you're checking it off, like, Hey, I did this. And then you're like, Oh yeah, I didn't do that. It just kind of, it's convicting. Yeah. So I'm not writing down anything right now, but writing it down makes a big difference. But I do, I do always have a plan. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, honestly, that's probably, that's probably one of the biggest things that's kept me accountable and kept me at the level I've been able to get to. And again, I've had an up and down ride, mm-hmm. but 
if I say I'm going to do something, then I do it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's I'm going to do 100 push-ups a day, and or I'm going to make I'm going to make 10 in a row. Mm-hmm. And okay, it's I just pra- I just finished two-hour practice and I'm tired and I want to go home. And but I said no, hey, I'm going to make 10 in a row before I go. Okay, I make I make nine and then I back iron the tenth one. What do you What do you do? Do you just shoot that? Do you shoot another one and just say, all right, that that counts, or do you start over? And like that that for me has kept me. I I take pride in like if I say I'm gonna do something, I do it. Mm-hmm. Even and again, it doesn't have to be something crazy like ten. I mean, ten in a row or at the start of the year this year, I the the started 2020 i started doing a little every every monday was running the little sprints mm-hmm. and it wasn't anything crazy it was five 30 second sprints but in my mind it was like hey i'm doing i did something extra and come fourth quarter i can look back and be like, hey no i'm in shape i did that like i mentally mm-hmm. it meant it kind of was learned it was learned physical mm-hmm. toughness strength. mental toughness yeah yeah it's like you know i know nobody else that I know of is did this, but I did it. So that makes me stronger, whether it's true or not, doesn't matter because I think I am. So now I'm, I'm better than I should be or that I mm-hmm. think I am. But I, I would say there's so many times where guys like say, I'm going to do something and then they don't do it. And again, maybe they do 60%, maybe they do 80%. Yeah. And I, yeah, that's good enough. Yeah. But I don't want to look back when I'm done playing and be like, Oh, I could have done more. I should, I should have, should have done this or done that or gone to the gym that day or got those extra shots up. And yep. I, so. I, I think it's a good, a good, uh, a good tip. Good tip. Well, why don't you tell, tell people what, you know, I know you don't have a, like life after basketball, you're still playing basketball, but I always like to talk about it a little bit just cause you know, I think a lot of athletes out there transition. You got college, Olympic, NCAA, high school, middle school. Everybody's season just got cut short. Yeah. And this is also, to me, a really good time to uh, figure out what are you doing after sports? Like, you know, your 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 playing day. There's a couple things in life that are guaranteed: death, taxes, and your basketball career ending. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's true. Yeah. That's and, true. Uh, it is like your basketball career will end. You will not get to play in front of crowds of people. You will not be uh, given free gear, and essentially, that's what uh, that's why I started Swish House was for to like re you know kind of recreate that for people. But you know, even then, life I can't play in front of people. I can't I can't get that uh, exhilaration of of a crowd or a coach or or you know all that admiration that you get. So what what it uh, kind of how do you deal with that with with it being over the season being cut short and and how do you envision your post game life? Yeah, I mean it's tough. Kind of, you know, you just you're planning on going to two days all next week, and then you get said, "Hey, you know, technically we lost our job." I know people think, "Oh, we're professional basketball players is all glamorous and stuff," but no, I mean this is how we provide for our family, and this is our job. So, like, yeah, just like a lot of people out there who lost nine to fives and office jobs, like we just lost our job, which is tough. But like for me, like you know, my my identity is not in basketball. Mm-hmm. My, my identity is in Christ, so that really helps me stay grounded. And I know God's got a bigger plan for me than than if you know. I think he could, you know, he could provide something out of nothing, like he's already done for me multiple times. But I always said I got 
three sort of plans uh, of my own. If if I got cut short, would be Swish House is obviously one. Swish House is definitely <laughs> definitely a big big one A right now. Uh, well, but seriously, I mean, it'd be it'd be like getting into sometime like somehow full time ministry, maybe FCA. I in college, my wife and I did a lot of FCA, which was awesome, which was mm. fellowship with Christian athletes. Number two, I got a, a degree in economics from Belmont, which I like to think means something. Yeah. Uh, of course, I'm pretty far removed, and apparently, they say they don't. You don't. No one cares where you went to college, but you know, some type of, what, I guess, corporate job. If mm-hmm. That's that's the terminology. Or three, um, like I got, I get some random crazy job, like I got a couple years ago or last year when I did slash sort of retire from basketball and just kind of something out of something out of nothing kind of, or my wife and I've talked and dreamed about doing some type of, some type of work in orphanages and adoptions and which is, uh, she's getting her master's in that right now. And mm-hmm. uh, some cool opportunities have come about here actually with some stuff. There's a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff going on out there in the world that people need help with. So maybe doing something in that field that I guess in the social work field and mm-hmm. maybe I, I can just help out um, yeah. or do something like that. Well, the, the ministry stuff, you know, like a lot of churches have basketball gyms and uh, yeah, I just, I just envisioned you running swish house classes out of your, your church, which is we basically partner with nonprofits and stuff like that. So you never know, but you never know. And you're, I mean, a, you're I, a fitness, you're a fitness specimen. If I, you know, like it, you're in pretty good shape. I, you're always the first one in the weight room, you know, usually doing bicep curls. And I'm like, JJ, those aren't basketball muscles, but <laughs> you know, they are beach muscles. And that means something to you. Uh, you know, it, it's a little bit of a mental placebo effect of, Hey, like I think my arms are big so i can i can play i can play stronger than i actually am but <laughs> you can play the four you can play the three you can play the uh-huh. two so you know it's it, biceps definitely not the number one uh, basketball workout for sure but i'd probably do a few extra than i should but i make sure i make sure to hit the important ones as well yeah um yeah i've always joked about possibly just i might just be a mercenary and just say whatever company needs me as on their basketball league yeah I would just do contract work as a as a ringer. I was doing that in Belgium. We got <laughs> yeah. the so, I told everybody I was uh, 55 years old. They believed me, which I thought <laughs> not very. That wasn't very complimentary, but uh, it was. Pr- it, it is pretty fun to be the ringer when you come back from the pros until you turn 40 and your hips feel like Oof. you can, you know getting up to, you know getting up out of bed. It feels like uh, it feels like somebody's shooting you, but uh huh. But yeah, no, I mean, you gotta gotta take care of your body and stay fit. And you you were the one who told me, and and another guy who played for eighteen years. I asked him what what's the number one thing to longevity of your career and everything like that. He said, never get out of shape. So never get I mean, out. I, of shape. So I wouldn't be surprised. Simple, if, it's so simple, but so hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It's it, it's. I mean, I. I for sure, there's going to be guys with this five-month off-season that are going to be out of shape when they come back next year, and they're going to get hurt, or they're going to get cut. Yeah. Or, you know, same or college. I guess you don't get cut, but yeah, that are going to lose lose spots because there's going to be some hungry freshman who's working their tail off, and there's going to be some junior who thinks the spot is his. 
Yep. And he comes in, you know, 10, 20, 10, 20 pounds overweight or out of shape. And, and I think it's going to, but no, you, you gotta, you gotta stay in shape. I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not doing anything crazy right now. Like what are, let take, take me through your basketball fitness uh, routine right now. What kind of habits and routines Man, it's, practicing? it's brutal right now, not having an actual gym to go to, uh, Belgium's not exactly known for any outdoor courts either, so nope. I have not touched a ball since the last practice. I am shooting a pretty good percentage on my daughter's little two-foot goal, mm-hmm. but right now my wife and I are going on runs every other day. Nothing crazy. A few miles, and I do a little few extra sprints and stuff, mm-hmm. and, and on the opposite days, I'm just doing body weight squats and push-ups and abs, just enough to just enough to just enough to stay like I stay in shape and stay where once things do open back up that I'm not starting from scratch. Yeah. Um, it's huge. So, it's huge. It's yeah, yeah, like it, it was really hard because I was like I almost I was telling myself, okay, once April first comes around, then I'll start. And that was that's gonna be almost fifteen, twenty days of not doing it anything. I'm like, no, nah, I just can't and even like my body it just yeah. I mean, have even health wise, I feel better. I have more energy to yeah to do so, stuff around the house. It's play. So, I feel the same way. I mean, it's been tough being back here because I don't have all my clothes. I'm living in, I got like, you know, I got this little bed over there. Uh-huh. Like, I'm literally living like just with, with not much stuff and no weights, no, you know, and I just miss it. You know, I'm like, Oh, what can I do? And I know athletes around the world are probably feeling this because if I feel yeah. it and I'm 40 and I'm a coach, I, I mean, right. I got to, cheese block body right now i'm trying to i'm trying to get back in shape you know i'm trying to get the routine you got to set the system like you Uh said you got to say what you're going to do and you got to do it then you have that system that you do every day whether it's running for 30 minutes outside doing doing body weight stuff so you know that's kind of a big thing we do i like to i like to challenge everybody so what's one thing you'd challenge the athletes out there to do uh i would say a hundred at least a hundred push-ups a day Mm-hmm. And five five minutes of plank a day, uh, up up down side on both sides and just I'm coming uh, back. I had a, I had a, well, if we're going to be honest, and again I might hold myself accountable here, but I haven't I haven't agreed to it or not. But I did look up the math. If you do sixty six sets of fifteen push ups, that's a thousand push ups. So sixty six sets of fifteen. So yeah. If you do that, that's a thousand push-ups. And if you do, I was thinking about doing a uh, thousand push-ups a day in, starting in April. Wow! But I don't know if I'm, I don't so know. What does that but, break down like, for all the math people? What is that about a three? If you do how many sets an hour, you got to do fifteen. You're only awake. Let's say you're awake twelve hours. Yeah, you basically you got to do about let's see, twelve. Six. You said sixty-six times fifteen. Yeah. So that's that's basically. A, a hundred every two hours. Okay. I mean, it seems doable, but it seems doable, but I gonna be sore as crap. The, yeah. After the first day, I, them, but I don't know. Yeah. You know, and again, that's, jello that's tries. Little, I got that jello, that's a, that jello tricep. <laughs> that's a little, uh, excessive, but I, I don't know, just something. And again, that's one of those things like, okay, well, if you commit to it, then how many guys, how many guys are going to do it first three days? And then just be like, all right, whatever. Or get, yeah. they get, they don't get they don't get any in in the morning, and then they're like, "Oh, I only got six hours to do it." Like mm, that's sometimes uh, how I feel about my writing. Yeah, I, I don't get my yeah. thousand words. If I don't wake up and write my thousand words, 
I had a goal to get a million words in a, in a year. And so I, I like had a real devout writing plan and, the, and it would always start like first thing. Cause I wanted to get that out of the way, you know? Yeah. And, uh, that was, it's tough. If you don't get it out of the way, you usually forget about it because life is busy. Life, but you know, you, you, you do things that you prioritize. And if you, if you, if you want to get a workout in, you'll find the time to get a workout in. If you want to, I heard a, I'm a, I'm a big Dave Ramsey guy and he's, he, I like one of his sayings that if you, man, I don't want to, I don't want to botch his saying, just, but just keep it close ballpark. Yeah. You're, you're intentional about what you care about. And he always uses a, the analogy of getting married mm-hmm. and like you were very intentional and picky and pursuing the girl that you married. So like you, things, things don't happen by accident. Like you, you didn't marry someone by accident. You, no. you got her number and you called her, you brought her flowers. You did all, mm-hmm. you pulled out all the A plus moves to make it happen. And that's the same thing you got to do. If you want to make it to college, to pro, you got to, mm-hmm. you got to do it and you got to do stuff that other people aren't willing to do or don't want to do or say they're going to do and don't do. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Last thing. You ready? Hit me. Was what did your parent like? What what was one thing your parents did that you felt helped you develop as a person and a player? My parents were great. They were one thing I would say is then they were always there. They were at every game, every I guess not technically every practice, but and just just being there. You know, I know that I think there's a lot of parenting books out there that just say showing up is. Actually, I know that's a, that's a ministry thing. Like showing up is ninety percent of it, mm-hmm. and they were always there. They always encouraged me and um, supported me. And and at the time, you know, I'm sure I rebelled a little bit, or and I definitely definitely had some throwdowns with my parents because they they played ball. So you know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to listen to them about basketball. Actually, you know what? I'll actually I'll change my answer. They never let me win in anything. Mm. Change my answer. Ooh. They never. I, I will admit that I, I mean I think I was like 12 13 14 which is way too old but I remember like crying leaving the driveway cuz my mom beat me in It's not too old. I cry once a, I cry every other day. No, I'm a, I'm all for crying but <laughs> losing to your mom and crying at 14 might be pushing it. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but no, I'm all, I'm all for a good cry. But uh, yeah, so they just never let me win, you know? It's like that's not how they made you earn it. Yeah, and and it was great. And then you actually feel like you achieve something when you do yeah. beat them and you do, then, you know, then you, you know, then you, then you learn how to handle a loss because yeah. there's no exactly. athlete out there who doesn't ever have to deal with losing. Yeah, it's so true. My brother lost to me. I think he said 610, 571 or something, 571 games of one-on-one. I never let him beat me. And Good. he framed the day, which I didn't even think about because you know, right. it's just another, it's just another win for me when I'm playing uh-huh. them. And he framed the picture of, he had his hands up on the court. We played out at Torch Lake in Northern Michigan. We had the lights, we had the, we put our cars on the rims and, yeah, yeah. you know, we, we play it all the time. We play one-on-one all the time, but I never let him beat me. And I always think, man, was that the right move? And then I just go, yeah, it was the right move. Cause he, he, he learned how to be resilient. He learned how to be gritty. Right. They write books on that stuff. That's 
that's that's, you know a really important quality to have as an athlete so anyway man i really appreciate anything you want to close with people can track you down if they want to ask you questions i mean you don't have to put your email your phone number if if you do have facebook or camps or websites yeah i got i got uh my facebook's just jj the two letters man m-a-n-n my wife has the instagram amy joe man she i don't have instagram or Mm -hmm. snapchat or but uh, yeah, feel free to hit me up or ask Trevor for anything. I'm all about helping the helping the youth and helping the younger generations. And I mean, not, and don't forget about the Swish House generation too. We got yeah, Swish House, baby. Swish House is about to take over. Get on, you better get on board. You don't want to get left behind. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I, man, I really appreciate you hopping on. I know there's a lot of a lot of people just wondering what the heck to do with all this free time, and I'm just like, well, do you know, find a way to do 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 what you love and 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 work together to create more happiness with each, you know, whatever you're doing. Uh, I appreciate it. You always bring, you always bring a smile to my face. You, you got that, you got that inner, that zest for life. So, so keep it going over there. I sure will, man. Hit me up anytime. All right. JJ, man, signing off. See ya. Signing off. All right, man. Thanks.